Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. I am your host, Kamari P. Richmond, and I have another exciting show for you tonight. We are talking to Dr. Pam Love, a.k.a. The Finisher. Dr. Pam is also an author, leadership consultant, co-owner of the Totally About Purpose, certified coach, and educator. And... Sorry about that. <laughs> and we uh, actually want you to go on the Mr. Brown, um, Mr. Brown, Pam, you know I lose my, my train of thought. That's uh, <laughs> okay. Mr. Brown's television show because Pam was a guest on that show. And you can go to www.youtube.com slash c slash Kamaria Richmond, and I uploaded that last night, so it's ready to go, and it was a great show on Wednesday. So, Dr. Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kamaria. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Now, we have a lot to talk about because you are fabulous and you do a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. We want to get into Dr. Pam Love. How did you get started? Where does all this love come from? Tell us about your journey. (laughs) Oh, my journey. Well, you know, my journey has been one um, that has been triumph over adversity. Um, I like like to say, I, I often tell people I probably should be dead, incarcerated, or in a mental institution. Um, but, but for the grace of God, I'm none of those things. But um, as a child, I was molested, and that really imp- negatively impacted me. And because my parents didn't know what went on, um, they, you know, they didn't know how to respond to me, how to deal with things. And so by the time I was um, 13 years old, I was drinking and smoking and getting high. And, um, you know, it was nothing for me to drink myself drunk. Um, at a very early age. So at the age of 13, I ended up being pregnant, um, had what you'd call a saline-type abortion, and um, that continued to send me into a deep depression. So I didn't understand that as a child how much I was experiencing depression, but I used to write. I would write poetry, I would write stories, um, just in my darkest moments. And so fast forward to a teenager after having different trauma, you know, I would continue to drink and get high and um, try to kill myself a couple times, and my parents are trying to figure out what is going on with this girl, and so as I get older, I'm about to go in the Air Force, I was planning to go, didn't make it, but was was all but sworn in, um, and found out a couple weeks 
later that I was expecting my son. And so because of the experience that I had um, as a 13-year-older, I couldn't abort this child, couldn't do it. And that was a turning point for me. It was a serious, serious turning point where I realized that life was more than just about me. Now I had this little person that I needed to take care of, and it all became about love. And so at that point, um, a year later, married his dad. Um, We had another child. We had our daughter a year later. And from then, you know, lots of things spiraled down because he had a cocaine addiction, which later became a crack addiction. Um, and from there, you know, many you all know the story. You, you lose pretty much everything. Um, bankruptcy, yeah, I've been in, I think I shared with you before, been in um, three car accidents, an elevator accident, and the list just goes on and on and on of different things that I experienced. And so with all of that, Kamaria, um, there was a turning point, as I said, with my son where I recognized that life was more than just about living for the sake of living, and I no longer wanted to kill myself. I was on a, I was on a mission to really kill myself or destroy myself in the way that I was living um, because I, just, I didn't care for a long time. I was in so much emotional pain. And so all of the pain and experiences that I've gone through um, became what I understand now. They they were part of my purpose. And so that's the short, long version to um, how how I got started in, in a lot of what I'm doing. That is an amazing, powerful journey. And thank you for being so open and sharing that because someone is always going through something and mm-hmm. you never know, as as they say, someone else is getting it a little bit harder. So that you are a shining light. I mean, kudos to you to be able to have gone through all of that and then to become Dr. Pam, the finisher, and an <laughs> author and all of those wonderful things. Thank you, thank you. Which Now, how did you go doing all of these things? Well, you know, um, in some of my most darkest moments, um, that's when I went back to school. So my children were in elementary school when I finished my bachelor's degree. Um, there were days that I took them to school with me. And at that time, you know, some of the, the, the professors would allow them to sit in the classroom and... Um, and so that was that was wonderful when I didn't have a, a, a babysitter. Now, my mom and um, sister and brother-in-law and others were very supportive. Um, and my, my father, until he passed, they were very, very supportive. So I had a great support system. So I went back to school, finished the bachelor's degree. Um, two years later, finished the master's degree and then began to work. And it was during that period in between um, the master's degree and going into the doctoral program that I really started looking at what is it that I want to do with my life. I started doing training. Um, I was asked by someone if I was interested in conducting some training, and so I started doing um, training in Baltimore City and Prince George's County um, in the elementary schools. So that led me into consulting, 
Um, and just to kind of back up, back in the mid-'80s, I started a nonprofit organization. Uh, we, we were doing a lot of community service and then decided to formalize it and make it a 501c3. Uh, so did that for about 10 years. And so I understood, you know, what it meant to serve the community, and that was a great passion of mine, um, but then had kind of shifted, so went into consulting. And then once I was in the doctoral program is when I began to explore something that I heard about called life coaching. Mm. And um, that, you know, has, has led me into writing books and so many things that I never would have imagined. You have an, I'm going to keep saying that you have an amazing story, a fabulous story, to be able to go through what you went through and to come out on top. Most people wouldn't even dream of or fantasize. It would never come to them that I've gone through all of this adversity, but I can do this and that. A lot of people would just give up. A lot of people would have been successful with suicide or they would have been to jail or they would have been on some kind of drug or some kind of medication. Mm-hmm. And so you just never know what someone is going through. I look at you like on Wednesday and I'm like, wow, she is so awesome. And you never know what the, what the back story is. Yes. And, yeah. And you just That's- never know. A lot of people don't think that they can come out of it. Some people just stay in the dark, and I can understand why. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I mentioned, yeah, I went, I did, I went through depression, and the depression became major depression. And so, you know, when I hear the commercial depression hurts, I'm like, yeah, I understand that. It's mm-hmm. something that you can't put your finger on. You can't rub it like when your leg hurts or your head hurts. Um, right. it, it really and and you know one of the things I didn't share with you from the time that I got pregnant at the age of thirteen, I started getting migraine headaches. So I had at least one migraine headache every single month, and and that ha- that went on for years and years and years. And so I could I could take a pill for that. I could, you know, take a pill, lay down. I couldn't function when I had a migraine. Um, I just had to be quiet, didn't want to breathe. There were times that I stopped breathing, um, you know, as long as I could. But I understood what pain felt like, but I couldn't do anything about depression. I couldn't rub that away. I couldn't sleep it away. And so I do understand how difficult it is for many people to get up and to keep moving um, when you're in that space, it's very, very difficult. And not everyone can see it as uh, some sort of illness or some kind of chemical breakdown in the brain, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, can be, it can be a chemical imbalance. It really can. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people really don't get it. They just kind of go, well, snap out of it. But physically and emotionally, you can't snap out of it. Right. That's right. Absolutely. You you know, it, it's something that, it's, you know, I, I was listening to um, someone recently and was saying that, you know, over, over time, 
you know, over time. There are things that you can do, but it does, it, it can take, take time. Now, there are people out there who might say, oh, I just prayed it away or I took a pill and I was fine, mm-hmm. and that might work for some people. It just depends on where they are. Some people have mild levels of depression, you know, all the way up to clinical depression. So it just really depends on where we where you are. I ended up at a point where I was so depressed I couldn't get up out of bed. Fortunately, I had a great and have continued to have a great support system. I had, you know, a great family and just great friends who would check on me. I had one friend, this is the days back where we had the pagers, that, you know, <laughs> we would say 411 meant, 411 meant pray, and 911 meant really pray, please. I need, you know, I need an emergency prayer at this time. And, you know, so it was one of those things where, um, you know, having the support where people were planting seeds. And that's the thing that I've learned. Sometimes you've got to plant some seeds, and sometimes you've got to walk with people a little longer than a week. You know, we, we, we get impatient and we say, okay, you got a week. You you can't stay like this. But sometimes right. it's going to take a little longer than a week for some people to, to, to deal with this. So exactly. having that great support system meant uh, was really life-saving for me. And tell us about when you're coaching. Now, I'm, I'm assuming you're doing business coaching because you're a consultant and personal coaching. What is it that most people are dealing with and they coach well i think with for individual coaching which i do very little of anymore um, but when i was doing individual coaching i found that a lot of people particularly and primarily women that i worked with were not clear about who they were and what they wanted to do they were trying to figure out they, they thought they had some ideas and as you begin to work with them, so they said, yeah, this is my goal. I want to get to this. But after you begin to work with them, you saw that it was either something bigger than what they thought it was or it was something different than what they thought it was. So helping people to really connect to purpose became a part, a big part of what um, I did in re- really helping people to understand. Um, the other thing that was was I guess probably up there, if not number one, is that a lot of people, a lot of women especially, were still dealing with issues from their past. So fear and doubt and and other challenges um, were preventing them from moving forward. I call it the noise. A lot of the past was like, you know, we can look at it as baggage, but, you know, I call it like the noise in the head that tells you you can't do it, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, those kinds of things. And so really um, either working with them, depending on where they were, or referring them in some cases to say, you know, I, I would suggest if you're open to it that you might need to see a counselor or therapist. Okay. That I love the way you say that the noise because I can just you know speak for myself. Sometimes that noise gets awfully loud. It does. <laughs> it, does. it has a volume. It really does. It has a volume. <laughs> it really does. And when you're working with companies doing your leadership consulting, what is it that most companies are coming 
to you for? Well, um, a lot of what I do around that is leadership development. Um, I do some strategic planning. So sometimes it's getting clear about vision and mission, um, helping them to identify their core values. And so, um, and then if they have already identified core values, if they are clear about their vision and mission, looking at the ways in which they are or are not in alignment with that mission, core values, and the, and the goals that they've set for themselves. Um, and then also looking at the culture of the organization and the ways in which that impacts their ability to move forward to achieve those goals. And I would think that a lot of companies need consultants, outside, outside folks, because mm -hmm. people that are inside seem to, they have an agenda a lot of times, and you need someone to come in that's really neutral, for real, mm -hmm. for real. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, and, and it does, it helps. Um, you know, I was a um, chair of a university board and served as an advisor to some university presidents, and having done that, um, you know, you learn a lot about working with individuals at different levels and where they are and seeing where organizations are and what some of the unique challenges are, depending on where they are, you know, what, what the organization is. And so being on the outside, sitting on the outside, does give you a little different perspective. And sometimes um, you're bringing in different information than they may have. So they may have a model or framework that they're using, um, you know, or they have their ways of operating, and, but they may not be aware of some other things that you may be aware of. So you, you can bring some insight um, or add to what they're currently already, what they're, what they're doing. I know in this day and time, that is so, so needed. And I want to go ahead and switch on over to telling us about, uh, totally about Purpose, which mm -hmm. you are the co-owner of, and yes. and uh, your book, because we had talked about a lot of things before the show started. So I just want you to go down the list of all the things we need to know about Dr. <laughs> Pam Love. And I did want to ask you, too, I saw on your website, I want my vagina back, but which is interesting. I'm like, okay, we'll have to ask her about that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It turns around to how people actually finish stuff. So I'll let you go ahead and just take it away. Okay. Well, um, I've written... Uh, four books, and um, one of them actually I co-authored. That's the last book, which is called Life Happens, But You Can Finish. Um, and so I co-authored that with my business partner, Reverend Dr. Francis Tony Draper, and um, we have 12 women who were selected. We did a, a call for stories, and we selected women who uh, met the criteria and so these are stories in this book of various situations of overcoming difficulty to finish something that they started. One of the things that as a result of um, talking to many different audiences um, and having conversations one-on-one -on -one with different people, I was finding that many people were not, they were really good at starting things, but not at finishing. 
And so, you know, one of the things people don't say, well, how did you do this? Well, how did how did you, you know, let, let me back up. I, you know, uh, the books that I've written, they've all been written in 30 days or less, okay? So that wow. would be one of the biggest questions. How in the world do you write a book in 30 days or less? No way. You're, you you got to be kidding. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. 30 days or less. Now, I didn't say they were published and in print in 30 days. Sometimes it would take three months, six months. It just, it, it varied. But people were asking, how do you finish how do you get? How do you stay motivated when life happens? Right. How, how do you get up out of bed and finish writing that book, or work on that paper and and get good grades? I, you know, my bachelor's, which was during one of the darkest moments in my life, I graduated summa cum laude. And so people are like, "How how did you do that?" Because they they were seeing my journey. Um, during that particular time, how in the world did you get through and do it well? And so we began to look at this. My my um, business partner and I began to really look at that and say, how do you finish? You know, she has, I think, five degrees and, you know, has done many, many things in her career. And so we began to study this and started, we, we've been developing what we call the science of finishing. So I'm going to, I'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to back up a little bit um, just to share about the books, if that's okay. Oh, yes. Okay. So um, in 2003, I was in um, the doctoral program at University of Maryland, and um, I was interested in becoming a life coach. And so in the process of looking, you know, someone told me, you know, in order to be a coach, you need to be coached. And so I went on this website, and there are thousands of coaches listed. And I'm scrolling down the page, and something jumps out at me. It says, five free coaching sessions. I said, oh, free is good. That's <laughs> you know, good. <laughs> free, free sounds good. So I emailed the gentleman and said, um, you know, interested in coaching. So he responded back and said, what are your top three goals over the next 90 days? So I listed three things. I need to finish my dissertation proposal. I want to write a book. I want to, you know, so I, I forget what the third thing was, something with business. And so he sent me a message and said, you might be interested in this. And it was a conference that he was having like five days later in Virginia. It was called Live Your Best Life Weekend. And I, I said, I have to go, have to go. Well, at the end of this conference, so it was from Thursday through Sunday, at the end of the conference, he offers a challenge. And he says, I'm going to, he said, I'm tired of people saying they're going to write books. He said, what I'm going to do, he said, for a very nominal fee, and when I say nominal, really nominal fee, he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the marketing, the printing, the editing, your web design, he, basically everything except write the book. And he said, the only catch is you have to write it in 90 days or less. And I raised my hand. And then I looked at my hand and said, you're crazy because you have a dissertation proposal to write. You can't do that. Right. And I took the challenge. I, I, I really, I took the, the challenge. And um, within 30 days, I had the book written. And I was the only one of the four who took the challenge who got through as, he, you know, he, he 
it took him a little bit longer. So it was like six months before the book was actually in print. But I had my part done. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that book, which started me on a journey of talking with um, primarily women. The book was called It's All About Love, Living Your Purpose in Spite of Your Past. And that's where I tell my story. I tell my story of all the things that I've gone through. But I direct it to the reader and say, yep, yep, I've gone through all of this stuff. But what about you? What are your buts? What are those things that get in your way that prevent you from moving forward? Um, you know, And so it really helps the reader to really think about how to overcome. And then from there, I ended up writing a book, and that's the one you referred to, called I Want My Vagina Back. Um, also written in about three weeks, um, I was on vacation, and I just sat, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. And um, that book empowers women to make more values-driven decisions when it comes to their sexual behavior. I was a um, college professor at Bowie State University, and I was tired of hearing the stories of young women and not-so-young women who were suffering, in many cases, many years later, socially, financially, physically, emotionally. And when you got underneath of the story, you could trace it back to a sexual encounter. And so this particular book is a conversation starter. Um, it has been used around the world. I mean, people have it um, in, in various parts outside of, of the U.S. Um, it's been used by Drexel University, their College of uh, Infectious Diseases, um, Morgan State has used it, Bowie State. So there have been a number of universities, uh, even middle schools, that have used this book. Um, and it became a movement for me to really help women um, to heal from their past and be able to make better decisions, more values-driven decisions, um, to minimize their regrets. I love that you talk about women, you know, we need healing. And it can be whether it's from the trauma or finances or relationships. And I think that it affects women so deeply. Mm-hmm. And when you read a story, something about that connects connects to you and you go, wow, I can do that too, or wow, I never understood while I did such and such. Mm-hmm. What was the cause of that and what was the end game of that? Yes. And so sometimes you just need someone to just say the story, tell the story, so that you can go, aha, you get that aha moment and that living your best life pops out into your head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm and I'm still wondering how did you do a book in 30 days and work on your dissertation? Well, you know, um what I've realized about myself is that when I'm supposed to do something, I am going to devote every ounce of energy and time to get it done. So during that particular time, uh, I would, I remember writing from like 9 (laughs) p.m. 
and before I knew it, the sun was coming up. And I said, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I've just sat there. And, you know, I got up to go to the bathroom, but I just had to keep writing. I had to get out what was in me. And once I got started, I, you know, I, it had to be done. So I, I've learned that about myself. Um, and I've also realized, and this is something that I share with people, you have to know yourself. Yes. So, so, so I know that I work best with certain things between midnight and 5 a.m. So I come alive after midnight. I can, you know, it, particularly creatively, I can write and do things late or I, can, I need to be in a certain environment. So for me, if I put music in, on and put, them, put earphones on, I can sit there and write, which is counter to what I was taught growing up. Turn that music off. Be, turn the TV off. You need silence. Right. But when I learned about how I process music or some type of noise in the background actually stimulates my brain. Interesting. And mm-hmm. you make a good point. Know yourself. Mm-hmm. But for those of us that don't know ourselves and say, you know, how can I finish anything because like you do have the big ideas i know like i have the big ideas and you just want to get to the finish line <laughs> mm-hmm. yes so going in between is like oh man <laughs> <laughs> yes so, i mean how do we learn how to finish stuff well it you know it, of course it, it's it's complex because people are very different and so going back to you have to know yourself, but it is having the right resources and support. It's about having the right mindset, and it's about aligning your values with your actions. So mindset, of course, you've got to, you know, you've got to get rid of that noise. And so for sometimes it means you, you've got to get some help. For some people you need someone who's going to hold you accountable um, or you've got to go and talk to someone so that you can heal because there are barriers. There are barriers to moving you forward. Underneath of what you're dealing with might be fear. Um, people would often say to me, I'm a procrastinator, and my response is always, you know procrastination is never simply about procrastinating. Never. There's more to it than that. So right. you've got to get underneath of what's, what's, your, um, what, what's your real reason for procrastinating. And I think sometimes you do just need help because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't realize what it is. So like I say, I'm a procrastinator, and what does that really mean? It just means, oh, I don't want to do something right here, right now. Uh, you know, I'll get to it tomorrow or I'll get to it later. And do a lot of us think of that as just not finishing, just pro- doing being uh wanted to go to and through your purpose and just not know why you're a procrastinator. Yeah. Do you always need like a coach or a therapist to kind of help you through that? Or just people just say, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. You know, one of the other things that is really key that I you know, always share with people is to really see what's really in your heart to do. Because okay. some of the things that we have on our list are things that we 
have put on the list to do because it sounds good or somebody told us that we were good at this or we should do this. Right. But they're not necessarily coming from our heart. Or as my advisory team told me one time, I, I gave them this whole list of 17 things that I wanted to accomplish and I needed them to help me to decide what the priorities are or should be. And they said, you know, some of that stuff needs to go on the parking lot over there. And I said, no, no, no. They said some things you just put over, they called it on the on the tree or something, or on the bush. And I said, no, 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 some things the dog needs to bury. Probably some of that stuff I don't even need to accomplish right <laughs> now. You know, these are things that um, they're lofty goals or, or dreams that I have, but they, they're, they're really not, here's the thing, they're really either not for me or they're not for me to accomplish. And, I, and, I'll, and let me explain that. Yes. My, my son said to me one time, because I kept saying, I want to open a school, I want to open a school. Gosh, and I put, I've been writing about this for a long time. I love education. I want to open a school. And my son said to me, he said, Ma, some things you're going to pass the baton. Maybe you won't accomplish some things, but maybe your children will. Maybe somebody else will. Because you're going to, you, you've planted the seed, and it's a desire for you. And you, so you, you lay the foundation for certain things, and so maybe somebody else will do it. So it's the, you might not make it into the promised land, but somebody else will. So sometimes we think we have to accomplish everything, but sometimes we start some things, and just like in a race, you're going to pass the baton. You may not be the one to cross the line. But as a team, you know, it's accounted to you because you did your part to get it going. So you begin something that someone completes later. It might be 50 years from now, but the point is you start it. You have to become clear about that and be able to release some things and say, there's some things maybe I won't accomplish. The other part to that is that we, you know, while we want to accomplish things and we set our goals and we have our deadlines, if we would let it go, if we would let it go and not be so wedded to certain deadlines, we'd recognize that maybe it's not the time for some things to occur. I've shared that I used to do um, coaching for people who wanted to write books because I had been coached and had gotten so much great information from my coach that I wanted to pass that on and share it with others. And people would, I want to, I want to get this done, and I have my deadline, and I really am, but they were struggling. And I'd say, but is it possible that this is a not yet, that you're going to complete this? But maybe there's something that needs to occur in your life or something that you're going to do that you haven't experienced. And once you experience it, your whole story, your whole book will be different than you think it's going to be now. And inevitably that would happen to those individuals. That's a smart young man that you have. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is. But, yeah, both of my children are amazing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely amazing. And, you know, going back to saying it may not be for you now, Uh and you may just have to pass the baton. I mean, look how much that's happened in history. Yes, that's right. It's, you know, how would our ancestors, how would they have ever known that their fighting and their bloodshed would lead to an African-American male Uh in the White House? That's right. 
And I just think about those things. Someone planted the seed, and then the seed just kept being planted until it just came into fruition. And I just think that that's an amazing way to put it, that you pass the baton. So it it may not... It may not get there or may not get there with you. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. You may not see it. See, you know, we often are so, we're wedded to our goals, and I've got to achieve it, and I've got to see this happen. I've got to make this happen. I've got to make this happen. Really, how come? What is that really about? So then you've got to get underneath of that. Is that really about you? What? So, so what? You accomplished this. So is that so people can applaud you? What What is that really about? So get to your motivation for why it has to be at the time. Now, there's some things where you said, I set this goal and this is exactly what I want it to be and I know in my heart this is what it's supposed to be. That's different. Mm-hmm. But often we aren't really checking in to see what is it that I'm really supposed to do versus what it is I simply want to do. And of the supposed to do, what is this really about? So one of the other things, um, I, I'm going to be speaking at Evangel Cathedral on May the 14th. They're having a conference. And last year I spoke at the conference talking about finishing. And one of the things I challenge people to do, you know, vision boards drive me crazy. They drive me absolutely crazy sometimes when I see them and because I, I look at these boards and I say, you know, this is great. All right, you you know, okay, you want to put information, you know, things up there on your board. And so I'll have to ask people, go ahead and, you know, draw out what would be your vision board. What's on your vision board? Great. And I say, and this is specifically for people who are Christians, okay? So I say to them, you know, that's all well and fine. But that's about you. When you get the money, what are you going to do with it? Put the, why isn't that on your vision board? When you get the new car, what are you going to do with it? When you get the home or the, the million dollars or whatever it is, what is it really that you're intending to do with that? Now, why isn't that on your vision board? That's vision. But often we are being taught to focus simply on self. And so we set these goals about this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to accomplish this. But often it's much bigger than us. Yes. And I always think a vision board just says, okay, you're in alignment and everything is just going to work out fine within that year. And you put a different spin on it, what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And what does it really mean? And sometimes right. it just means I just want to be seen. And sometimes yeah. Yeah. It, it And if makes- that's in alignment with your values, then that's okay. I'm not here to change, you know, to try to change anyone's values. It's, it's, it has to be your value. So if, if being seen and getting the applause is what you're after, then that's okay. That's, you know, that's, that's your values. But when we get to the heart of a lot of people, it's really, you know, it's usually bigger than that. People are wanting to help others. People are wanting to give back to their communities or make a difference, even if it's in their own household, for their children, their grandchildren, their grandmoms, whoever it is. You know, people really are trying to make a difference. That we aren't taught to look at it in that way. Because once you place those things about what's really in your heart, the resources, 
and the people, the provision, everything you need just is going to line up. It becomes like a magnet. You get attracted to accomplishing that because now it's outside of you. It's bigger than you. And that's the key. It's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. That is the key. And I know I've heard Oprah and maybe some other notable people, you know, say that what they've done, they couldn't believe that they've done it, but now that they've, they've done it, what is what is bigger? What is mm-hmm. it really supposed to be about? Why, you know, how can I make this kind of just be another rising star? Mm-hmm. It's here. Now what do I do with it now? Okay. And I just never imagined, as I was just saying, I never imagined that we'd have someone in the White House and we'd have folks in in Congress and that we have so many leaders and teachers and musicians and mm-hmm. painters and <laughs> yeah. all of that. It's yeah. like you could never have imagined that happening. That's and right. it's, it's here, so what do we do now? Do we share it or do we just keep it for ourselves? Right, that's right. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so if we, as you mentioned, if you look at past generations, what do they do? It was about helping the next generation, helping the next person to do better, to right. achieve more, to be better, you know. And so that's part of what, you know, I believe is important to do. So when you don't accomplish what you, you know, for going back to finishing, you know, I, I just really think that it's helpful for people to do some soul searching about what really is important to me. You know, there were, th- there were things on my list that I thought were really important to me. And then when I did some soul searching, I was like, nah, you know what, I just, I just want to do that because people said that I, was, I could, I should do this. Right. I'd be good at it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Or it can make me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. You know, is that is that what I'm really after? And, you know, for some people that might be it. It might be about the money. But when you look at your list of things that you're doing, it also helps you to then prioritize. Um, so you begin to do that. I, I shared, I spoke um, to a, a group of um, professional women, I guess it was back in October, and I shared with them this book called The 12, 12-Week 12 Year. And um, actually had a chance to see them um, on yesterday, and they were telling me that they had started using that book. Um, because basically it tells you, it says that we try to accomplish things, we set these goals by the end of the year, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I And the author's name escapes me right now to look it up, but... Um, what he says is that if we chunk it into 12 weeks, if we make 12 weeks a year, that becomes the year now. So one week becomes like a month, you know. And so rather than saying I'm going to accomplish this goal by the end of the year, I'm going to accomplish it within 12 weeks. It helps us to become more focused. It helps us to set tasks and activities that we need to do within a, a shorter period of time so that we can be much more intentional, so now you say some things, you know, you may not be able to put in a 12-week because there may be some other things that um, have to occur before those other things can occur. But for, for some things, 
you could do it in 12 weeks. And what he says is that often, you know, you look at it at businesses that they set these goals and then people at the end of the year are trying to meet those quotas. They're trying to reach their numbers because right. they didn't do everything in the beginning of the year. But if you make it a 12 week year, they're more likely to get things accomplished faster. I like that 12-week year. Mm-hmm. That really does help you to get uh, to get really, I guess, closer to your purpose because you are doing it every day. And no matter what happens, you're on that. That's your game plan is to get it done in 12 and without a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Because you really do, you become very intentional in terms of setting your 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 goals. Um, you know, so you you look at okay tomorrow, what do I need to do? What do I need to do over the course of this hour um, between eight and twelve or nine and one? I'm going to take a lunch break, and then what do I need to do from there? Or if it's in the evening, somebody's working you know full time, and you know the only time you have in the evening. Uh, when I was working on my dissertation, a coach said to me um, that, you know, I said, I'm just having a difficult time writing. Because, you know, people will tell you the the writing part, once you finish your coursework, do, you know, writing that dissertation can be the hardest because you don't have people, you know, you're not showing up for class like you were. Right. And so I said, oh, I'm having a hard time doing this. And so she said, let me let me share with you what I did. She said, when I had some tax stuff that I needed to, to complete, and then she says, well, I hate it doing that. She said, so chunk it up. She said, first of all, you've got to put it on your calendar. She said, you make an appointment for everything else, put that on your calendar. So I started doing that. She said, the second thing that you that I want you to do is, she said, when I, she said, I would wake up in the morning and I'd say, okay, the first thing that I'm going to do once I get out of bed is to work on this project. And she said, take 20 minutes, 25 at most, and she says, and then set the, the alarm clock, set some timer. And when that 25 minutes is up, stop. I don't care where you are in the process. She said, and come back to it the next day or whatever day you schedule. And interestingly enough, that was very effective for me because what would happen is in that 20, 25 minutes, I'd set the alarm, it'd go off, I'd stop, like, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. I was just getting into a group. And then the next day, I would start getting into a flow. And then over time, 25 minutes, I was able to get a lot accomplished. And she said, think about it. Think about those times where you crammed for a test the night before or a few hours before you were cramming. So when we're crunched for time, there's something about that happens that causes us to be much more focused, only have a little bit of time. So knowing that your alarm is going to go off or your timer is going to go off and you you have to stop, you have to tell, you don't, you don't keep going, you stop, that really helps you to, one, make it smaller periods of time than longer because what I was finding when I would set an hour or I'd say two hours, I'm just going to write, it was too much and it was draining which then made it more difficult to go back to it. But if I only had 25 minutes, it wasn't taking so much from me. And I know, and I can just speak for myself, once you start a project, or once I start something, I don't care how long it takes, i got to finish it. i got to finish it all at one time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, saying that you're more productive, let's say if, like at 25 minutes, I wouldn't be able to stop. But if that's your intention and that's what you're working towards to make something faster and easier instead of something that's more, I guess, more, has more quality, that you kind of, your intention is different. It's very different. Because I can tell you when I set when I had two hours set and I say, Okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna write for two hours and get this done. The mm-hmm. first fifteen minutes I was sitting there trying to get focused and looking at things. <laughs> I I then have to want to take a back bathroom break because I was like, Okay, I'm I don't feel like this so then I'm trying to wake myself up and then I I'd I'd take some other time and I'd go get a snack or something. It was like, Okay, maybe if I chew on something that'll help me to help me to focus. Right. So when I really looked at how much time I was spending in that two hours, it really wasn't as much as, um, you know, it, it definitely wasn't two hours. It probably wasn't even a – may may have been a good hour, maybe. But <laughs> look at the time that I'd wasted. Right. And I think that's just, that's just kind of in our nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I can say for me, you're like, okay – and you you're really just wasting time. <laughs> you really are. And 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 if you were at a meeting, if you had scheduled a meeting, or you know, Kamari, even with the work that you did, it, you, that you do, let's say with with the you know producing the show, you know, time. Okay, it's four thirty or five o'clock. We're going to start and let's move this forward because we got to get the other people. We tend to be much more intentional and focused when right. we're doing things for other people, but we're not often the same with ourselves. And so you find strategies to help you to be intentional and focused and to be able to be as productive as possible um, in whatever time frame that you set. And that is so true. We do a lot for others. We do things for others that we don't do for ourselves. That's right. <laughs> no, absolutely. And getting just getting really clear. And sometimes it just takes a while to get really clear. <laughs> hmm Mm-hmm. It does. Sometimes it does. Yep. And then, yeah, but um, but chunking it in time, you know, smaller times, and again, that 12-week year is um, a great, great resource for being able to, uh, if if you have goals that you're trying to accomplish that can be accomplished in a shorter period of time, or that you have goals that can be quarterly goals, then you can you can do that as well. And what comes to mind? Uh, is social media because mm-hmm. once you go on, do what you want to do on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Google and all of these sites, it can take. I mean, it can take all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but yes. if you schedule it, say like I'm going to do this for 20 minutes and then go do something else and then go back and do it for 20 minutes and then go do something else and just maybe. At the end of the night, okay, I'm not, I am unplugged at 11 o'clock or mm-hmm. 8 o'clock, whatever time. And once you are unplugged, because it's always going to be there, you're always going to have, you're always going to be able to do it tomorrow. It's like if you don't finish it. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's That's not right. going to get done. Yes. Yes. That's so true. It is. Well, Dr. Pam Love, I want to thank you for being on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Show. And I want to tell our guests again that 
Dr. Pam was on the award-winning Ed Brown Show. And you can listen to that because it's already uploaded at www.youtube.com slash C slash Kamaria Richmond, which is K-A-M-A-R-I-A-R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D. And that was a great show. There were some other great guests on that show as well. And to listen to this show in about, Pam, in about 15 minutes or so, Talks you will have been uploaded, and then it is archived. So people can listen to it at any time, and people can share with it on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. So that's good to know. For It's good to know for us that our guests know that this is archived, So which means it lasts for a very long time. <laughs> so for anyone that missed the show this evening, definitely share that with your network. Any last words for us? And I'm sorry, your uh, contact information. Yes, I can be reached at uh, via email at drpamlove at gmail.com. Again, that's drpamlove, it's D-R-P-A-M-L-O-V-E at gmail.com. Um, you can also go to my website, which is drpamlove.com. And you can contact me at 240 240- Two four two nine five five five. Again, that's two four zero two four two nine five five five. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, everyone else, for tuning in and listening and sharing this amazing show. This, as you know, we say this fabulous show with a fabulous guest, with a fabulous evening, with some fabulous good old to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for allowing me to be on your fabulous show. This has been wonderful. And you you absolutely are fabulous. And I I really mean that. Thank you for all you do. But you you are absolutely fabulous. So thank you. And thank you for doing our show and Mr. Brown's show. And uh, we're going to keep this rolling because you have a lot more to share. So I'm going to close out our interview this evening. Dr. Pam, stay on the line. Thanks, everyone, and have a fabulous week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.